Welcome to Reception Insider. My name is Cathy Back and I'm the Tasmania Faculty Manager of the Royal Australian College of General Practitioners. And I'm Ann Davis, New South Wales and ACT Faculty Manager. Fantastic. Our topic that we're going to discuss is receptionist well-being. This is a really important topic, I think. The receptionists are the face of the business. You deal with all sorts of difficult situations. And so looking after yourself is really very important. So Anne and I have come up with some topics and quick tips that we're going to give you, starting off with number one, get enough sleep. Yes, get enough sleep. At the risk of sounding like a grandma, that is probably the, one of the most important things for me. Really, when we're tired, it's difficult to be effective. We don't think properly. And importantly, in the role as reception, we need to be able to communicate effectively with our patients. And we can't do that if we're tired. It's interesting, Cathy, I was looking at some statistics on, on lack of sleep. And it's said that if you've been awake for 17 hours, that's equivalent to a blood alcohol content of 0.05. And then if you're awake for 21 hours, the equivalent blood alcohol content is 0.08. I mean, that is quite amazing that it has that much impact. And I think I'm right in saying that sleep deprivation is a torture method as well. <laughs> Absolutely. And they're horrifying statistics that you would never have imagined. No, that's right. So I guess it is really important as part of reception well-being, in fact, everyone's well-being, to make sure that you have enough sleep. For me, I like to have a bit of a school night routine or a work night routine, making sure that I do get to bed enough time to have my reading and get to sleep in plenty of time so that I do have enough sleep overnight. The other thing I was thinking about was we often do have a coffee, you know, just to wake ourselves up. But that's really only a short-term boost. If we're having difficulty sleeping, we really should look at some more longer-term strategies. Totally agree, Anne. And I think that it's important that if your sleep continues to be an issue, you should make an appointment to talk about this with your doctor. There are lots of other conditions that can cause lack of sleep. And I think it's certainly worthwhile talking to your doctor about how you might be able to deal with this. Yep. Our second little tip for you today is don't take it personally. You have to remember that the patients you see each day are not at their best because of illness, fear, frustration. And so you really have to try very hard not to let their words get to you too much. Of course, there's never any excuse for rudeness, but just try to be understanding and don't feel that they're being angry with you. You might also find that sometimes your co-workers or doctors may also be overworked or worried, frustrated, and so they might be a little bit short with you. And that doesn't feel very nice usually. But again, remember this is more about their situation than about you. So try really hard not to be offended or to take things personally. The only person that you can control and the only behaviour that you control is your own. So try to stay calm and professional and just let rudeness around you just wash off you. You're right, Cathy. Patients are unwell or anxious and they're not their usual selves and we do have to make sure that we don't respond. But I guess the other thing is that it is okay to debrief, but we should do that appropriately. Don't do it at the front desk and probably your practice manager or a senior receptionist is the best person to do that debriefing with. 
The next point, our tip number three, is to understand your own style of organisation. Because part of our well-being is doing a good job and having all the resources that we need to do that job well. I know that I like to be fairly neat, but I'm married to someone that's a little bit messy and there's no way I could work at his messy desk. So think about how you like to have all your resources at your fingertips. If you like it being really neat, that's great, but don't get overwhelmed by someone else's messiness at the desk next to you. And I think the other thing about understanding how you work is be effective in your use of technology in that I know that the more I learn about the software, the more efficient I am. And that makes me feel good about what I'm doing. It would make me feel good about how I'm looking after perhaps the patient on the other side of the desk. So think about how you use the technology and how you might be able to improve on that to make your life easier. And that'll be great for your own well-being as well. Don't forget also that if you're working closely with another person, you need to find a midpoint in your need for tidy or messy. If you have too much either way, you can risk driving yourself and your coworker crazy. And also it's really important to make sure the whole team knows where to find important documents, forms, policies, so that you don't have to spend hours searching for things. It just makes your work more efficient and more professional. Now point number four is be kind to yourself. For me, I think as far as our own well-being, being kind to yourself is the most important one. In that looking after our well-being means that we need to understand ourselves. And we also need to acknowledge that our mental health is just as important as our physical health. And certainly with COVID, we've actually experienced a greater community understanding mental health. So I think that's a, a positive outcome. So think about the sorts of things that you might need to do when you think, I need some self-care. I am getting a little bit overwhelmed. That last patient, she did make me a little bit more frustrated than I should have been. So think about what you can do on a day-to-day -day basis for your self-care and maybe that's you know going for a walk in the morning or at the end of the day but also think about what you might do during the day that would help. Maybe you might get a fresh barista coffee on the way to work or you might have lunch outside in the sun. Side brackets here if you manage to get a lunch break, not always something that actually happens or if you make a mistake just accept it, fix it and move on rather than dwelling on it. And then maybe when you get home, you know, being able to cuddle your cat. Each of us is going to have our own ways of being kind to ourselves. And I think probably a good thing is to actually make a list so that you write down and really see, yes, these are the things that make me feel good. What do you think, Kathy? Absolutely. Look, I totally agree. And I think that you are only human inevitably there'll be mistakes made and sometimes you'll see things at work which you may find disturbing or you'll know someone who's had a nasty diagnosis and that impacts you or you'll see someone upset. All those things can really build up on you if you don't deal with them at the time. So I think being able to have someone within the practice that you can talk through situations, debrief, is really important. And yeah, just 
having a list of things that work for you. It might be listening to some music for a little bit. It might be just walking out of the reception area to go and get a coffee in the tea room. Just something that you can do that just helps you in the short term and then things that you can do at home in the long term as well. Which leads me to our final tip for today, and that's remember to ask for help. You can't do it all. No one can do it all. And there's no shame in asking for some help when things are getting too much. A good way to deal with this is to communicate with your practice manager if you're feeling overwhelmed. Do you need some more training in an area? Is that the cause of your feeling of overwhelm? Or do you need to learn some new strategies on time management? Lots of issues can be resolved with communication that you're struggling I think often if people know that you're struggling, they're very open and willing to help you, but you do need to identify that there is an issue and you need to ask for some help. It's always better to ask early for help rather than to push on and have a breakdown experience or burn out or, you know, not be able to continue. So talk to the PM or talk to your doctor if you're feeling a bit overwhelmed. And remember that there are EAP psychology services you can use as well. Just as a little example of this, and a bit different to receptionists, but the same sort of thing. I have a daughter who's a medical student and she did a unit in intensive care and saw some things that really challenged her. And she wasn't feeling very happy with life. So she went and made an appointment with her GP every week and just sat down with the GP for the whole time she was in ICU and talked it through with her GP. And she found that incredibly helpful just to be able to talk to someone about how she was feeling. So You know, I think that doing that or seeing a psychologist or even just someone within the practice, you have to be mindful of confidentiality and not sit down with your best friend and tell them what's going on. But I think that it's really important to just get some help from inside the practice or from your GP or someone like that to give you a bit of support or an EAP. I was also thinking while you were saying that, Cathy, that there are other opportunities for help. I mean, we're sort of talking about help when we're not coping, but there's also opportunities for help to actually enrich and things like perhaps having a mentor. It's just someone that you can talk about how things are going at work that's separate to your work. That might be something that people think about as well. Absolutely. I was even thinking just about what you were saying about remember to ask for help. I was actually thinking about that just even from a day to day in that, you know, whilst, yes, we've got our policy and procedure manual, but you're looking at it and you can't quite remember how to receipt this workers' comp check. But if you ask a colleague in an appropriate way, they might feel good that they can show you how to do something and teach you how to do it. So, you know, that's good for their well-being as well. Yeah, and look, there's no shame in not knowing. It's more important to ask for help if you don't know something than to muddle on and do it incorrectly. It's much better to get someone to show you how to do things. So I think it is a very important thing for us to think about. So just to wrap up, our tips for maintaining your well-being. Number one, sleep. Try and aim for around seven to eight hours a night with good sleep hygiene. So that's that little routine you do before you go to bed. Number two, don't take it personally. Anger and frustration is the problem of the other person and it's not your problem to take on. And often they're just frustrated. They're not angry with you. Number three, be organised. Being organised makes life so much more simple for everybody. And if you're really a messy person, try and find a middle ground with your co-workers so that you're not driving them crazy. 
Be kind to yourself. If you make a mistake, that's okay. You're only human. And ask for help. If you don't know something or if you're feeling overwhelmed, never, ever think badly about asking someone to help you. So that is the end of our podcast today. And we hope that you all have a great week and you feel very healthy and well and look after yourselves. And thank you for doing what you do. (laughs) 